2: Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast, our second with Blue Wire. I'm Mike Prada, and today is Monday, September. God, what day is it today? I never know what day is it. Let look, me look at my computer. 14th, September 14th. Yesterday was the last day of the WNBA regular season. Tomorrow is the first day of the WNBA playoffs, which... Are uh, we're going to talk about a little bit? Have a very exciting format. So I've got two WNBA experts on today, former coworkers of mine at SB Nation, who can help talk through what should be a really fascinating postseason, uh, a really wide open postseason after a crazy twenty-two game season. We're joined by Matt Ellentuck, who you may know as the person that the Las Vegas Aces make fun of on Twitter all the time. There,
1: yeah, that's about all I'm known for.
2: Yeah, you also have a newsletter here's basketball, which has a few subscribers, right? Couple,
1: one or two.
2: One or two, and we're joined by Sabrina Merchant, who is still with SB Nation, who writes for the California sites uh, and big time LA Sparks writer. Sabrina, how are you?
0: I'm just picturing Matt in the green jacket now. That's all I can
2: say. (laughs) (laughs) I really want. It's the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. One regret, and it's not buying that extra. So that was not a Halloween costume, correct? No, I tried it on in the store. It was so expensive, but like looking back at it missed opportunity. And who took the picture? It was a uh, someone we know, right? So. No? Okay. Anyway, the WNBA playoffs. <laughs> uh Anyway, the, the WBA playoffs start. It's important to remember, I think most of you who listen to this know, but it's worth reminding, they have two single elimination rounds for the five through eight seeds are on Tuesday. They, the winners play the three and the four seeds. Meanwhile, the top two seeds sit and chill and get a double bye until the conference finals begins on Sunday. So we got some interesting matches, but I want to start with some of the big picture questions that kind of will dominate this postseason. Let's start with this one, because it's something that I've been wondering about really all season uh, that has really been surprising me. And I still can't really get a handle on how the hell did the Las Vegas Aces without Kelsey Plum and without Liz Cambage get the number one overall seed in this year's playoffs? It still feels very strange to say that, Matt.
1: Complete sorcery. Um, if we're if we're being honest here, I ha- I mean listen, you you kind of talked about it like last year. If we're gonna go to the basketball nerd side of it, is like we all knew that Liz Cambage and Adrian Wilson were a bad fit together, right? So we all kind of assumed this would be the Adrian Wilson breakout year. That was kind of expected. Did I expect Erica Hamby to get even better this year than she was last year? No. Did I think that Jackie Young would go from a player who was just tough to watch in any stretch to? A really good bench player this year? Also no. Did I think Kayla McBride would break out like she did? Also no. I, I don't. Did I think Angel McCoughtry was going to come back from uh, her knee injuries and play maybe the best year of her career in limited minutes? Also no. So I don't know. This year's just been nuts for Vegas.
0: Yeah, it's funny because um, Matt was like positing this theory earlier in the year that like Asia Wilson could be the MVP because she was going to have to do so much on Vegas, and like I sort of shot it down because it's like no, it's always the best player on the best team that wins MVP. Like it's not going to be Asia. (laughs) And then like I got a bunch of those receipts yesterday on Twitter.
2: Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So they they were not where were they picked in preseason.
0: They were still really high betting favorites, but I think that's just because they're in Vegas. Okay. Um, But, like, most people had them, like, I think, like, 4-5 or five maybe. Like, uh when Beer said he thought they'd be, like, a few games above 500. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they were projected to, like, get one of the top four seeds. Definitely not a top two seed.
2: And definitely not the number one seed, which they clinched with a two-point win over Seattle after beating the Sparks the night before. Um They didn't come into the season with their starting point guard and their starting center, Plum, and Cambage. With the way they're playing and the thing I keep thinking about, and we talked about, like Matt Ruluzi, we talked about this last year with the Cambage-Wilson dynamic being a little bit tough with two post players who kind of like to occupy the same space. Is there an addition by subtraction going on here, or is that just too unfair of a, uh, to reduce the situation to?
1: Um, I think there is. I think we covered this like extensively last year, especially you did. Um, just the, the problems that Vegas has because they want to pack the paint and they have two players that really both need to be there at the same time for them to be at their full strength. And, yeah, we're kind of seeing it, right, because Asia didn't have a great second season um, last year. She was a great rookie when Cam wasn't there, but she had a down year last year, and she became sort of unplayable for
2: some stretches in the
1: playoffs. I mean, the Mystics really shut her down last year uh and yeah she's I mean I think her skill set is pretty similar to what it was a year ago but just a whole different opportunity this year for her
0: yeah it's so weird to think that like the Aces seem to have more space than they did last year considering they still don't shoot threes uh (laughs) like Matt mentioned that like you know McBride and I I thought McBride was like objectively like awful for the first half of the season like she's really come on recently but um like I, I don't know where the space is coming from I guess it's just like Liz is not in the paint anymore but Yeah. Asia just gets to do whatever she wants on offense. And like the, the Wilson Hamby pairing was always good. And that's what they lean on, you know, for the majority of the games, because even though Hamby comes off the bench, I think I saw that she played more minutes this year than like Brianna Stewart. You know, she's essentially a starter in terms of the playing time that she logs. It just happens to be that they have to shove Carolyn Swords out there for five minutes to start the game for no good reason. So
2: It's weird. I mean, so I don't want to spoil too much because I'm actually working on something on how the hell the Aces score when they don't shoot threes. Um, But their idio, the fact their in their in willingness to shoot threes is like ridiculously historic in WNBA history. I think they're shooting something like four and a half percent of the total threes. That anyone has taken this year are Las Vegas Aces threes. Like there's basically there's everybody else who shoots like a normal amount of threes. I think there are four or five teams who shoot double the number of threes per game that the Aces do. And this is sort of something that in the modern game you should not be able to do. You should not be able to win or have the number two offense in efficiency, number one in scoring because they play so fast, and shoot what, 12 threes, twelve threes a game? I think what do they I think they might have like snuck over the twelve line at the end. And it's just bizarre sometimes to watch it. It doesn't seem like it should make sense. But I think one thing that's been a little overlooked, the name that we haven't talked about, which I think has really surprised me, is Angel McCautry's return coming in. I think a lot of people looked at that acquisition and said, okay, she's past her prime. She's off in the injury. She's not really a shooter. So, how are they going to make enough room for her? And yet, I mean, Sabrina, you watch them, she has tons of room to do what she wants. And it's still odd to see, but she has been so good coming off this injury and able to play her game without having to like fit and be a spacer for Wilson. It's very, it's very interesting seeing it play out.
0: Yeah. I wonder if like, I feel like everything I've read about coach of the year has Cheryl Reeve atop the list. And I'm like, that's like very deserved, but Bill and beard does something very interesting with this team that, and I, I appreciate just, just so much as a fan because it's so different than every other team you watch. Like we don't get this level of stylistic diversity in the NBA. It just, can you imagine a team taking like a third of three point attempts that like another team in the NBA takes, and like actually running a successful offense. Like it, it's mind-boggling, but yeah, the Angel thing is so interesting to me because I know the Sparks had conversations with her over the off-season and they ended up settling on Simone Augustus. And like, can you think about the Sparks with like this version of Angel McCatry instead of Simone Augustus? That's what a team that would be. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so it's it's funny you mentioned the Sparks because all year I look at, I mean, I think Seattle was a preseason favorite, and Seattle had an interesting sort of load manage style year, and they still won eighteen and four. So I think they're pretty good and. LA, I think, was, I looked at them as like, they're probably the second best team in the league. And they played a couple weeks ago, and it was the game of the year. Jewel Lloyd hitting that uh, three from out of bounds. NBA fans might recognize it because it looked exactly like OG Anobi's shot in the Boston-Toronto series, but... It seems to me like those teams are built for the playoffs, whatever that cliche means. And I think this is an interesting theme of the entire WNBA is that in the NBA, we have this discussion of 82 game players versus 16 game players. Like there are some players that are best suited for the regular season and some that play better in the playoffs. I don't know what the WNBA equivalent would be. Would it be like 22 game players and six game players? Would it be (laughs) like for a normal season, it's like, I guess, 34 game players and anyway, is this dynamic going to play out in these playoffs? Because you look at the 1C and the 4C, I think, are two teams that you, you might classify, the 4C being the Lynx, as, as eighty 22-game teams. Whereas the Sparks and and Storm, by virtue of their depth, by virtue of all the playmaking they have, by virtue of their versatility on defense, seem more like teams built for the playoffs. Like, Does that dynamic work the same way in the WNBA as it does in the NBA?
1: That's a good question. I think I have the same feel for what you're saying and what teams that we know are built to last for a series versus teams that might just win these one-offs. Like I don't know if anybody really thinks the Mercury and their current state are going to be able to survive a five-game series considering how shallow their bench now is, even if their star power is so tremendous. like There are only a handful of teams uniquely built with uh, seven or eight or nine players that they can run at a time along with that superstar level talent at the very top. And I think that the storm aces and sparks are those three teams.
0: Yeah. It's ever since they changed the format for the WNBA, I think only one in two seeds have actually won, like since they've moved to the single elimination run. So you kind of, it, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not like causation or anything. It just happens to be that the best teams in the regular season also win in the postseason, And there's like a very strong relationship there, but I just don't know that the season was like long enough this year for me to get that feel for like which teams were built for like a regular season versus which were built for a, a playoff run.
2: Yeah, I mean, and also no home court advantage, playing right. every other day very differently. I mean, these are dynamics that. We knew about it in the w- in the NBA and then promptly forgot about it as soon as the teams that we thought were gonna collapse in the regular season in the playoffs in the regular season did just that. We just promptly just forgot that this is all a weird environment. Um but I mean you're saying the one and two seeds, that's a really important distinction because uh, of the aces winning that bye, it means that the sparks did not. And I I think the sparks are loaded. I think they They've got the, the best, one of the probably the clutchest, steeliest ball handler in the league in Chelsea Gray. They've got Candace Parker, who had a great year. Their bench is loaded. They kind of make sense after they removed Tierra Ruff and Pratt from the starting lineup and started uh, Sidney Weiss and now Taya Cooper is starting. But they got to play a single elimination game, and they haven't played well over the last few weeks. Uh, they did not close the season very well. So, you know, I, I'm worried for them. I think they really needed that, that buy that the Aces stole from them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would have felt much better about the Sparks chances like two weeks ago, or I think it was actually even a week when they played Seattle um, in that Friday night game. Uh, but then like, this was the one team that had the biggest depth advantage in the W like throughout the entire season. You know, they brought in 12 players. They actually play like 10 of them on a regular basis, which I don't think most teams do. Uh, and then they just got hurt in the last week, you know, like Sydney's out. Um, Brittany Sykes missed a game. Tara from Pratt also missed, uh, is has a dislocated shoulder now. So Uh, It just forces the Sparks to play like a little bit bigger than they want to. And Fisher clearly doesn't trust any of his backup bigs like at all. So that's just uh, not the place they wanted to be heading into the postseason.
2: Yeah, I mean, can they beat the Storm? I mean, is this still the Storm's title to lose or is it not?
0: I like the Aces better than the Storm, honestly. Uh, Really? Yeah, I mean... And it's not just because, you know, they they won the last game because I don't know how representative that is considering, you know, Stewie and Bird were both out. But the Aces seem to be getting better as the season went along. And I thought the storm peaked like early August and haven't looked quite as good since then, which could be like a function of, you know, just not playing their best players as many minutes. Like, you know, we mentioned that Hamby played more minutes than Stewie, but uh, I don't know. Asia Wilson just has like a, that feel, you know, like best player, best team, going to win the title. Like it happens
1: so often in the W
2: Matt, are you still on storm winning this?
1: I'm still on the storm winning this winning the title. I don't feel nearly as good as I did a month ago when I was memeing all of the bored Brianna Stewart <laughs> picks from the bench as they were just blowing teams out by twenty and thirty points. I think Springer makes a good point that uh, the aces have heated up as the season has gone along and Seattle has had sort of these you know these drop off periods and part of it might be because sue bird missed time uh, in a couple of spurts which i think really plagued them because sue makes such a difference uh, as a playmaker and bringing her in and taking her back out again throughout their rhythm and sometimes they were survived by jewel lloyd who had amazing games but also she had games where she was completely stonewalled and, and taken out um natasha howard was really bad for some games maybe the first half of the season even then she sort of broke out for some select games too I don't feel like the storm have had everybody on the same page at the same time since the very maybe beginning of the season um, so it's gonna be really interesting to see what everybody looks like in the playoffs I think a full I think they have like a full week off now that they got the double buy to heal everybody which is gonna be key because I don't know the status of Stewie at all um,
2: she did not play in the final game neither did bird correct yeah neither-
1: final two
0: games yeah
2: yeah. the
1: final two, uh, Sue obviously re-aggravating the same injury over and over again. You wonder how much of a toll that's going to take also. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. I'm still taking Seattle because I want to think that basketball still makes sense and that three-pointers <laughs> are worth more than two points. That's going to work out. Um, but I'm here for it. I, I didn't think the finals would be nearly as interesting as now I think they're going to be.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, I'm still taking the storm. I mean – I might still be in this too much of this NBA mindset of there's a difference between the regular season and the playoffs mode. Um, Certainly, I think that that will exist once we get to series. I think the single elimination games are are one thing, but once you get to series, you can lock in on tendencies. And the Aces do play really hard, really fast, and very rigid their style of play. They do it really well. I don't know if they have another pitch. Whereas Seattle, I mean, Seattle has the best player in the league. I don't know if she's going to win MVP, but she's the best player in the league. Stewart, to me, is by far the best player in the league. Um, And I just think they have way more ways to beat you. And I still think the Sparks are really dangerous, but it it, it hurts that that is likely going to be a a finals matchup. Uh, So I could see someone kind of maybe not in the the first elimination game because I I don't really think Minnesota has enough – um, and we're going to talk a bit about the five, the four teams that play on the first game. I think all those teams are definitely a cut below. But I think that if it's a Vegas-Seattle series, I know Vegas had their success against Seattle in the regular season, but I just think that you can figure Vegas out, um, and I'm not sure you can figure Seattle out. But that's really the big overriding question, is because Vegas is so unique and different, did they get an extra advantage from the speed of the regular season coming at you so fast? Or... Is there really, you know, another way to win basketball today? <laughs> Can you win playing the way the Aces do? Um, I have another question, too,
1: if, I guess for both of you.
2: Do we think that Angel
1: McCautry is going to play 30-plus a game in the postseason versus the 20 or so she played in the regular season? Because if she plays 10 more minutes at that level, that's a whole different factor defensively. Too. Yeah,
2: so for some context for listeners, she has been limited to, what, 20 minutes a game, Basically pops at
0: 25 sometimes.
2: 25 minutes a game because of her recovery from the knee surgery that's kept her at now of almost two full seasons. Is that correct? Uh, uh, She
0: got injured like late 2018, right?
1: Yeah, I think she missed the postseason one
2: year in the postseason. Right, Okay, all of
0: 2019, yeah.
2: Okay, and so the aces have been putting her, basically she plays in like five-minute bursts. And the que- and they've actually limited that as the season has gone on. She played more early in the year than later. So the question is, to Matt's point, like, is that a pr- preservation tactic? Or is this like a la Mike Boonholzer and Giannis, where he just sort of is like, well, she's really, she's really good in this many minutes, so we can't possibly play her anymore? That's a good question.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that completely changes things, right? If you get your best players on the court more often, it's not like it's a a fit issue, right? She, she works next to Wilson and Hamby. So uh, my, my instinct was that she was like load managing, you know, for lack of a better word that that's what they were doing was keeping her ready for the postseason. And because it's like, it's only two five game series, you know, it's not like an extended month long stretch where she'd have to play sustained minutes. Uh, Even if they can get it to like 28, I think that makes a meaningful difference.
2: And I imagine that if they're smart, they will play her more at the four. They will give Carolyn Swords fewer minutes because she's basically a walking, like, run, pick, and roll at me target uh, for all that she's done. I would think that they're going to play less Lindsey Allen and more Danielle Robinson. And they, that way they get to keep Jackie Young. If they do that, but then the problem there is they're, they're just a different team fundamentally. They're not this smash mouth like kind of team like crashing the the post in the office of class. They're just some they're just different. So maybe it's different in a good way, but it's an interesting wild card for sure that I hadn't really thought about. Yeah. So let's talk about the first four teams. Um we, we we're sorry Minnesota Lynx fans we can talk more about Minnesota in this group if you want. Um you know what's Sylvia Fowles' status? Is she playing? That's really the big question with Minnesota.
1: Holly said she might play. So uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know how limited she's going to be if she does play. I don't know what kind of shape she's in because she hasn't played in weeks. But obviously, yeah, if she is able to even log 15 minutes, that's going to be a difference maker.
2: Yeah, okay. So let's put them in a separate category because like, they're kind of not quite as good as the top three, but I think better if Fowles is playing than the bottom four. Which of the four teams that are playing on Tuesday, Phoenix, connecticut chicago and washington who do you think who do you guys think is most likely to make a deep run
0: i assume matt's gonna say washington (laughs) i'm
2: thinking i'm not sure how much i believe in any of those four teams i i I agree that they're limited but like if you had to bet on one who's a team that you think has like sort of this like potential to get hot and really win both of those games and get to the semifinals?
1: I mean, my gut wants to say Phoenix only because Diana goes into a different mode in the playoffs every year. That's just not going to be a surprise. And now she has another guard to take a little bit of the load off with Skylar Diggins. And I've liked Phoenix a lot better without Griner and with Brianna Turner playing the five instead. I definitely could see them making a run. I still like Connecticut, and I've liked Connecticut all year. I'm really excited for the next year, um, obviously when they get John Paul Jones back. But Alyssa Thomas just creates so many problems for teams. Um, defensively, And Dewana Bonner, listen, she's not the most effective shooter in the league, but she, there is some value in being able to create your own shot and she can do that seemingly against anyone. So um, I guess my pick is Phoenix. My backup would be Connecticut. I don't believe particularly uh, hard in, in any of those four teams though.
0: Yeah, nothing, uh, no one injury quite bummed me out like Azary Stevens having to leave the bubble because I loved what Chicago was doing earlier this year. That offense is so pretty and they just they run more interesting sets than like any other team in the league um and I was so excited to see Chicago Vegas again because those games are so much fun just every time they end up playing each other um I mean so maybe if Chicago plays Vegas that's a series they could win but I don't see that happening <laughs> I don't see, think they're gonna get that far uh, yeah I, I'm kind of with Matt like I, I just think Phoenix because you have like there's like a, a theory there you know like Diana can get hot Skylar can get hot and Ann, For, you know, we talked all about the three point shooting, like teams are still not accustomed to guarding, like Tarazi, just pulling up, you know, they don't, they don't game plan for that all the time because she's gotten even more aggressive over these last few weeks. Just like not even considering going into the pain. It's just, you know, three after three after three. And that like, there's a, there's a way that could work, you know, I mean, it's, it's a short series, you know, single elimination and then even a best of five. So it's possible that lasts just for a few games and that's enough to get Phoenix going.
2: Yeah, I'm bummed out by Chicago too. I was expecting much more from them. I think DeShields' status really messed them up, even though Kalia Copper's playing well, it kinda just I mean, they don't still guard anybody. Uh, you know, that's really what yeah. it comes down to. Like they just they made no progress defensively and it's really too bad. I I think Connecticut's pretty dangerous. I don't know, man. I like I, I if I had to rank like just the, the teams in the tournament just one through eight, I think they're number four. And I guess a lot of it depends on whether Breon January is healthy. Is she going to play in these games or is she done with that finger injury?
1: That I'm not sure. I know um, Holmes South. Yeah. The- but I don't know about January. I'm not sure if
0: So when Jasmine Thomas is supposed to play, though, right?
1: I believe so. I also can't keep up with everyone. Connecticut, I feel like it's one of those teams that every time I look at their report, they've got somebody else who I didn't know about.
2: <laughs> and Alyssa Thomas, or uh, Jasmine Thomas, has been struggling with the foot injury. Right, uh, the flannery fasciitis. Yeah. yeah, but she, I mean, so when they have their four main core players, plus uh, Brianna Jones, who's playing for Jonquil Jones, they've been really good. When they have struggled, it's because they had injuries. January had COVID uh, and came late. Uh, Jasmine Thomas missed a bunch of time, and their bench is very shallow. But again, maybe I am like overplaying this sort of playoffs versus regular season thing. But they've got someone a number one score that is going to be a really difficult player to guard. They have they have their best lineup is really good, and one of the problems they had, I think, was that Bonner wasn't always on the same page with everybody this year in terms of their offense. But in the playoffs, they can play the matchup game a little bit differently. Like, I don't know that they really scare me. If, uh, if January is playing, I think that they're a real threat.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. That's another reason why I'm so excited for the next year. I know we're talking about it this year, but (laughs) I think John comes with that group. I, I'm, I'm, it stinks
2: we didn't get to see that this year. Yeah. So here's a here's a stat that just blew me away that I think is really significant. Their starting lineup of Bonner, January, the two Thomases, and Brianna Jones. They played 100 minutes together this season, which is the most, but it's not very much for a top lineup, plus 28.1 net rating. So when they have their good players, they're as good as, I think, any team in the league and so, it really, to me, that's a question of whether January is going to play because I think they really need that person that kind of connects everybody together, and she's that. But if she's playing, like I, I just think they're really, I, I would be scared of them. Like if it's if it's Vegas and Connecticut, like I think that series is more of a toss-up than people think, and maybe I'm overrating Connecticut. But I mean, just look at them compared to last year. The starting lineup, I think they have no. Jonquel Jones is a big, massive downgrade, but I'd rather have De- DeWanna Bonner than Courtney Williams. And I'd rather have Breon January than Shaquina Strickland. Yeah. So I, I just think they're really dangerous.
1: So do we all have – do we both have the – all three of us have the same two teams winning in the first round?
0: Well, let's yeah, talk – and Phoenix, right?
2: <laughs> so is there any chance for Washington? I think we do have to give some love to their finish. They had this very weird season where they started off – really well and it finished really well and basically sucked in the middle um, but yeah. they stole that last playoff spot maisha hines Allen having a great year I, I I'm not the biggest fan of Phoenix as team I just but I I don't know I I, I think that I don't think their mystics are really that good either <laughs> um, so I I don't know I just think it, it will be a fun game it, it, that I think will be more competitive than the Chicago Connecticut game the
1: mystics spot man. For them to make the playoffs is so crazy based on how many pieces they've lost. Not even, not only just before the season started, but as the season kept going on, I think it's so crazy. They're in the playoffs, but I agree with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not too into them uh, as a team being able to, to make any upsets here.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't see Washington. I'm, I'm a little bummed. We didn't get that Dallas Phoenix matchup just because I really wanted to see Enrique in the playoffs and, I don't know how Phoenix was going to guard her. You know, like they they have a theory, like a way they could potentially contain Heinz Allen because Turner's a good defensive player and their front court is a lot stouter defensively than their backcourt, obviously. But like, it was like Skyler or Diana supposed to guard Enrique? Like, that would have been incredible to watch.
2: <laughs> and they played a couple of fun regular season games, the two, those two teams, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Phoenix is just so bad at containing the ball on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. So bad. Um, which And I think in a weird way they got better when Bria Hartley went down at that because they just they had too much of the same thing. Um, but So that would have been a real problem. But, I mean, that, that might be a problem with the Mystics, too. I mean, the Mystics have Errol Atkins finished the season really strong. They've got – Mieslem is a really good pick-and-roll player, high-post player. LaLani Mitchell can get hot. I mean, you don't think that that will be a problem for this, the Mercury as well?
0: Uh, I mean – I like the Leilani revenge game. You know, those are as fun. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of those, right? Like Shatori's on uh, Phoenix now. She-Petty. Right, Shea Petty too, mid-season and revenge game, a little <laughs> thing going on. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think that like anyone on Washington presents the same perimeter challenges that like Dallas would have. Uh, they're just a little bit more within Phoenix's wheelhouse in that regard. And like, is Leilani supposed to guard? Who Who guards like the best player from Washington like on the perimeter?
2: Well, that's a problem. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a huge problem yeah. is because is Mitchell, a really good player, but really poor defensive player, just too small. That's going to be a huge problem, you know, so I, I see that. I guess if you're jiggling the matchups, what well, you'd have Ariel Atkinson, Tarassi, and then would you have uh, Kira Leslie or uh, what's the name of the, the the one who had that great comeback whose name I keep mispronouncing? Still Johnson. No, no, the the one who came back from injuries. Oh, Jamelis? The, yeah, oh. Jamelis, that's right. Um, she would guard Diggin smith and then you'd try to hide Mitchell on Walker-Peters. Or not Walker-Peters, uh, walker Kimbrell. I'm right. I'm thinking about soccer right now, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess that's what you would do. And the absence of Griner, and she's not coming back, right? No. So Matt, you think that made Phoenix better?
1: I think Phoenix has like, been better. Um, turner, Turner's turner been a really great piece. I, I, it's really interesting. I, it's something I have to really blow down the numbers to to really explain Griner and if she's finally getting phased out with her um, more traditional center ways her uh, sort of lack of um, verticality and things like that. Um, but Phoenix has gotten really hot. They've been really dangerous because Diana has now just been in full chuck threes up mode and I think skylar has been free to run her offense too shooting and running off pick and rolls and I think everybody's roles have just been cleaner and more defined and Turner's been a force.
0: Yeah I think what Matt said like just their roles are clarified and uh, Griner I think was always a little overrated defensively like Phoenix is never as good defensively as you would expect them to be considering like what she projected to be as like an interior force Uh, and then just like not having to factor her in on offense i think just makes things easier for diana and skylar because turner is just willing to do whatever on offense and she's just a ridiculous rebounder which again griner never was despite like what you would expect for someone her size in this league
1: it's also interesting because the w's missed like their best centers this year that griner would usually thrive in those matches that's a good point griner guarding cam is always a sight griner guarding sylvia Fowles is always a sight but now all those teams are trending down into smaller bigs, and that's been tougher.
2: It seems like the roster was a little mismatch where you've got you've got three really good pick-and-roll scorers, and the idea is in uh, DeRossi, Smith, and Hartley, and the idea is you'd sort of be able to swing from one pick-and-roll to the other, but then you have Griner, who's much more stationary and much more of an interior scorer as that screener. It didn't quite match, and then on the other end, Griner is too slow to be able to cover for their defensive weaknesses. So now you take out one of those ball handlers, you put in a defensive player like Walker Kimbrell uh, or Sophie Cunningham's played a little bit more, and then you take out Griner and you have a more mobile big, and I think Kia Vaughn has played a lot of Griner's minutes, right? Yeah. yeah. and then now it just sort of, it does fit together more. I just, I mean, it's also hard to bet against Taurasi elimination games. She lost her first one, I believe, in 2018, right?
0: Yeah, I think she's like what fourteen and one now,
1: thirteen or fourteen. One of those.
0: Something. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, like it was so close. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that 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 uh Seattle Phoenix series from two thousand eighteen, I think, still the best series I've ever seen, uh, best women's series I've ever seen, uh, just amazing. Um, we spent a lot of time in Connecticut. We'd spent a We didn't really spend a lot of time in Chicago. Um. We think Connecticut will probably win that game. Although, you know, look, if Chicago can get hot too. Um, But I I think Connecticut's just got better star power. And then that leaves, you know, Minnesota, the Sparks. I mean, if you're – the Sparks probably don't want to see Connecticut or Phoenix, I would think. they
0: can't see Phoenix.
2: Oh, they can't see Phoenix. Wait. Yes, that's right. Phoenix is five. You're right. Um, That's right. My bad. And honestly,
0: I feel like they'd rather play Connecticut than Chicago just because it's always been a bugaboo of them like just trying to defend the three-point line. So it's just – and this is not last year's Connecticut, so I don't think it's going to happen like that. (laughs) Yeah.
2: The Limited Upside Podcast is sponsored by Indeed. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, And there are no long term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Just like they have for over 3 million businesses. And right now, Indeed is offering limited upside listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post. That means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash Wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. Holy crap, football is back? That, that really snuck up on me. Anyway, you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on, the, on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get on, on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all those great sign up bo- bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE. B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. All one word. Bet online. Your online sports experts. Um, here's another. I'm gonna, here's like kind of one other question that I'll sort of close with and one other sort of thought for people who uh, this is kind of helpful, I think, for people who are just getting into the WNBA. Last year, there were a few breakout stars, people that maybe were always doing their thing or people that really stepped up their game. And became more household names. I'm thinking of Emma Meiselman, who won finals MVP, who's been around for a while, but people realize how good she was. Kelsey Plum in the Aces series uh, was another one of those players that just got a lot of attention. Who are this year's sort of candidates to be like the, oh, I didn't realize she was that good stars of this year's playoffs? The breakout sort of the people that we all know about Stewart. We all know about Wilson. Uh, who are some players that I think are going to make themselves more household names throughout this postseason? I think Alicia Clark.
1: That's what I was going to say, actually. <laughs>
2: Is she healthy? I thought she got hurt. Oh, no, she's good. Oh, she's she, okay. Yeah, I wanted to put her on
1: something. I need, like, I felt the need to give her some type of award this year. I didn't end up picking her for anything, but she had a hell of a year. I mean, on both ends. She's really been an anchor for Seattle, and they really needed her because they've been battling injuries throughout. I mean – She's an excellent shooter. She's an excellent passer. She's tasked to guard the best uh, guard every single game. Um, She's a really key piece and she can heat up at any point. I mean, what does she have like the first 11 points of of the game yesterday or something that's like that? Um, You know, she can, she can light up, light it up for a half and, and become one of the top scorers for Seattle in a playoff game for sure.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like, uh, she probably was given an opportunity to do more last year and it was just a little bit out of her comfort zone when they sort of ended up just making her a spot up shooter for most of that offense. Uh, But she, she kind of just like fills in the spaces, right? Like she, she moves around a lot on offense and then like defensively, I know it was funny while watching the aces games, like against LA and Seattle back to back over the weekend, because the sparks keep making this case for like Brittany Sykes for defensive, you know, all defensive team or defensive player of the year or whatever. And like just watching Clark guard McBride versus like Cygis guarding McBride is just an entirely different level of what they're capable of doing. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can consider like a a 33 year old, like a breakout player, but she's really good. And I don't think she gets the love that she deserves just being like super important to what Seattle does.
2: Yeah. I love watching her play. Just love her game. Just the perfect role player in so many ways. And (laughs) she has shown, you know, it's interesting you mentioned. So last year, obviously Seattle, didn't have Stewart and Bird, so they had a lot of these roles rejiggered players. Then this year now had to go back into sort of their smaller roles. I'm thinking Howard really struggled with it. Jordan Canada really struggled Canada, with it. Canada,
0: yeah.
2: But Clark really seemed to take the positives of that experience, where she has a little bit more juice now off the dribble. She shoots more decisively while still being able to be herself in this other role. And it's interesting how that's happened for her, but not necessarily for some of the other players on the team, uh, going back to the stew with Stuart there again. Um, we haven't talked a lot about Minnesota and I think they have a couple interesting, I mean, like if, if they go far into Fisa he's you're going to hear her name a lot more. I feel like she's on the verge of becoming a super duper duper star. It isn't quite there yet. Um, Crystal Dangerfield as well. I mean, I'm like a little skeptical of Minnesota just because I don't think they have enough offensively. But, you know, if they make a run, I mean, Collier still kind of lurks a little underneath the shadows in, when you talk about the best players in the game. And if they make a run, that I think that may change.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah Collier is just like a little less highlight friendly than some of the other players, right? Um, but she's, she's just so good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they just turn out rookies of the year there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that now in back-to-back year show, we will have found uh, rookie of the years probably. I think we all think Andrew is going to get it. And Nipisa was pick six and Crystal is in the second round.
2: Why do you think that is? Like, What, is, what are they doing there to kind of find these players? say I mean I some of it is opportunity right I mean right
1: Some of this opportunity I think I would have thought a little differently if Crystal had been their first round pick instead of Kiki maybe mm-hmm. this sort of made me think that uh, Cheryl was like all right she's here like we're gonna snag her in the second round and if they'd missed out it wouldn't have been that big of a deal but um, I don't know what exactly is the reason I think we all underrated Nafisa probably since her college days I think she had the same problem even though she was playing for UConn again like Sabrina pointed out she's just not a a highlight type of player she's got a very you know like just efficient game it's sort of like uh, it it almost reminds me of like when I was growing up and got really like bored watching Tim Duncan just because he was so (laughs) (laughs) Duncan was like really efficient and a really good player and I think the piece of runs along those same lines Um, although she has a much better and brighter personality she's really funny on the podcast
2: yes that is um, a very good podcast I really enjoy it
1: Very, very good podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to watch Minnesota. I've been blown away by them the entire year um, with the job Cheryl's been able to do as a coach with the role nafisa has been able to play after Sylvia Fowles went down, Crystal's role just as a five foot five second round pick. And Demiris Dantzis has broken out, too, in the second half of the year, and she looks like a really, really good player deserving of that extension. So um, I don't know. Minnesota's going to be interesting.
2: And now Odyssey oh, and and Sims is things. coming back, too? Sims, too.
0: Yeah. The first round thing is so interesting with Crystal because like, I feel like we all mocked her to Minnesota in the first round of the draft. Like I just sort of think of her as Minnesota's first round pick, you know, like they, they needed a point guard and she was there and then nobody else picked her up for some reason, even though like Kathleen Doyle and a bunch of other people went in that range. But uh, yeah, I think it with her is just like opportunity, right? Because like you said, you know, Sims was out for the first part of the season and they just needed someone like who could play like her. And it, I think a lot of it comes down to Minnesota's coaching staff. I just think they're better than, like, really? a level above you know a lot of the other staffs in the league, and that just allows them to develop players better than they would in other situations.
2: What do you think they do? Is it differently? Like, do they do they channel them into better roles? Is there like a better culture that sort of makes it easier on them? Like, why? What are they doing that? Um, you know, because opportunity, like you said, is a big factor. You know, no Maya Moore and so Collier can step in and really play. No Sims, and Lexi Brown got hurt at the end of the year too, so uh, Crystal Dangerfield can step in. What are they What are they doing um, besides opportunity that allows them to develop these players really well? What are some of these other teams? Like Washington's the same too. I mean, th- this year they had so many injuries, but it seems like certain teams you can just plug and play players and they're always in the same spot. Like what are they doing exactly? I think
1: some of it might just come down to – as corny as it sounds, the culture that each group brings, it really makes a difference in how comfortable younger players are, like able to, and being able to play their game. I think I didn't expect Crystal to be able to go full crystal as a rookie, like shooting from wherever she wants um, without any restrictions or hesitations from um, coaching staffs and, and her being able to get free reign off pick and rolls and things like that. Uh, I didn't think that she would have that type of opportunity, but clearly Cheryl, um really you know became accepting of of all crystals strengths really early in the season because it didn't take her very long to get the starting role and that doesn't usually happen in a show show team.
0: yeah it kind of seems to me like she just identifies like she like what matt was saying she just plays to their strengths better than like you know other coaches right yeah (laughs) (laughs)
1: um
0: but yeah it's like you know just creating a system that like showcases what they do best rather than like worrying about what they do wrong you know
2: and they have a lot of really good kind of quality role players, too, uh, that get minutes. Um, okay, so who are we taking to win this thing? Matt.
1: First of all, one thing we didn't talk about briefly is I think it's super interesting that, I, obviously I don't want to say that they punted because I don't know the true health status of Stewie or Sue Bird, but I think it's really interesting that neither of them played in a game that would have had them play uh, had them avoid playing the Sparks in the semifinals, um, so that makes me a little hesitant uh, because they're going to have a much tougher semif- semifinals matchup than Vegas will. Um, I'm still taking the Storm, uh, but I'm going to take them in five games
2: over the Aces. Sabrina, you're on Aces' bandwagon, right? Yeah, I'm going to go with Vegas.
0: Um, just I just find them so fascinating. They're just they're such a weird weird team, and like. Uh, they just run down your throat and they do all of these things that I really like um, other than the fact that they don't shoot threes, which I also really like, you know, it's just, it's a fun way of going about the game. Uh, But yeah, I just, I kind of feel like the momentum is in their favor, whatever that means. You know, I just like the way they've been playing now. Uh, They know exactly what they do and they do it really well. And I'm not sure it matters that much that they like haven't really shown a second pitch, you know, like you said earlier, just because like, I didn't think they had that against Washington last year, and they proved that they were such a tough out, you know, just a a really hard-nosed playoff team. And, like, a lot of that was Kelsey, but I think a lot of that DNA is still on the roster. So I like their experience. And, yeah, I'm going to go with Vegas. Uh, I don't know. I have
2: to pick games, too. No, I mean, if you want to. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, we know that Vegas matches up well with Seattle. And I will say that to your point about Vegas, I think they did some things defensively that Mystics team to stretch that series out. You know they were what like one basket away from from being one one after the first two games um They did some things to the Mystics defensively that I think they can do the storm as well with better personnel um but I think I'm still taking Seattle to win this thing. I just it's very hard for me to bet against the best player with the most depth and i think as great as asia wilson played this season she maximized as she probably will win mvp we think is that like a slam dunk at this point
0: i don't think it's a slam dunk at all so who
2: who else is in the running if stewart other than stewart is candace parker there
0: i think it's gonna be like a very tight one too between her and stewie Matt, like you have, a drop off before third that's yeah. what i would
2: see matt you have a vote correct who did you pick I stressed about this for so long,
1: and I think honestly, you can make a case for either one and not be wrong. Uh, in literally the final fifteen minutes, I changed my vote, and I did wind up picking Asia Wilson.
2: Okay. Well, despite that, I think a healthy Brianna Stewart is just an impossible matchup nightmare. If I'm thinking, I mean, again, I might be applying too much, too many like sort of NBA-ish style, like sort of sixteen-game, six-game player. Thoughts processes, but I think the aces are solvable if you can focus solely on them. I just don't think Brianna Stewart is, and I think I'm not sure Candace Parker really is either. But she's more solvable than Brianna Stewart. And to me, like at the end of the day, I think that's what's going to be the difference for Seattle. So I am taking Seattle, uh, and I'm taking. I think that if Connecticut's going to get to the to the finals versus Vegas and give them a major run for their money, so. You know, that's where I'm headed. I'm leaning right now. I think a lot of respect to the Aces. I think it'd be very interesting if they win because of how differently they play. Uh, they are just... But I also know that I always overrate the teams that play differently because I want them to win. That's just, like, my biggest weakness.
0: I think Matt's obviously very anti-Aces, too, you know, as is as known on the Internet. So. <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, my God. Wait, so, Matt, you picked the Storm. Like, what are the Aces going to do if they win the title? Do you want... Do you want I to had like so
0: much fun with that headband matching thing I played it so many times
1: <laughs> that's, the content out of it.
2: that's the issue here where could you put the headband like around the trophy like I don't know how could you incorporate the headband what if it's like here's Asia Wilson accepting her uh, her finals MVP award and she's got the green jacket on <laughs> <laughs> or really it's be funnier if it was Bill Lambier. Honestly, I'd love either way. <laughs> All right, so those get started on Tuesday, uh, seven and nine, I believe, are the two games, um, and then again Thursday, seven and nine, Minnesota playing the lower-seeded team that advances. The, uh the sparks playing the no minnesota playing the higher seed team that advances the sparks playing the lower seed on thursday and then the conference finals vegas playing the lowest remaining team and seattle playing the higher remaining team on sunday go follow here's basketball uh along with the other two people that do as you mentioned um it's a really awesome newsletter to keep yourself up to date with the league. Follow Sabrina's work on Silver Screen and Roll, SBNation.com. Uh, where, where are you publishing these days? I'm
0: mostly doing Clipper stuff right now, actually.
2: Okay. And we're purposely not talking about them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they're the reason that there's too many games on Tuesday if it's their fault. Yeah,
2: it is their fault. <laughs> That's yeah. a good, you know what that's a good way of putting it, you know maybe if if Doc played Montreal no I'm just kidding we're not coming here, <laughs> um yeah so follow her work there uh this has been really fun really really fun season really fun league to get into and some very fascinating stakes with the first round series and going beyond friends thank you for joining me on this WNBA playoff preview.
0: I'm just gonna make one final plea for the WNB to end single elimination games because they're fun to talk about, but they suck. Not a fan. <laughs> three-game series.
1: <laughs> I love it.
0: I, I kinda... just like I mean, you get to the playoffs and you play one game and it's like, all right, well, we're done, you know. Just I like like, it. I you like deserve it a little it. bit more.
1: I like it for the first round, I like it less for the second
0: round. Okay, that's fair.
2: So you think it should be what single elimination, then three-game series, then five-game series? Something like five that. Five straight up. I mean, they made the rule in large part so that the Lynx and the Sparks could play each other, right? I mean, let's be real about this. Basically,
0: The conference imbalance is insane. I mean, like the top five teams this year are Western conference teams. Well, why even have
2: conferences then?
0: So they can announce a conference player of the week? I don't know. It's just
2: like no reason. Wait, is it true? The top. Yeah, that is true. Connecticut was the best team in the East this season, and they were below 500?
0: Yeah, I forget if Connecticut or Chicago was 6 or 7, but they're both, yeah.
2: Oh, right, Chicago.
0: Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, so why, I mean, it works out well this year, but I mean, that's why they did the single elimination, right? I mean, that's really the only reason. It was to ensure that you could get that series. You can, like,
0: rejigger the playoff, you know, formation without, like, doing, you know, a one-and-done format and...
2: I kind of like Matt's idea of just the first round being single elimination. I think that's a good compromise because there really are thrilling games. And this year you don't have the problem of, you know, travel where you're traveling across the country for these single elimination games. That's what really killed Phoenix. Was it Phoenix last year? I know there's one year where the Sparks just had nothing left.
0: Yeah, like I remember in 2018, the Sparks played in L.A. on Tuesday and then had to go to Washington on Thursday. And they were the early game on Thursday for some reason. They just
2: yeah. Done. yeah, yeah you don't have to worry about that this year that's one positive um, but yeah anyway it all gets started on Tuesday in about three weeks we will be seeing the latest Las Vegas Aces uh, Twitter drop on Matt so let's look forward to that we'll come back and do do this again when that happens right oh fine <laughs> anyway friends this has been the limited upside podcast